Welcome to the Aspen Chapel podcast with Nicholas and Heather Vesey. Well, today's the fourth Sunday of Lent, um, and during Lent, we're looking at the mechanics that goes into the idea of spirituality. <clears throat> As an engineer learns math and physics to put his engineering into practice, what is it that we do when we do spirituality? Not just the warm fuzzies that we often think about, but the nuts and bolts that go into engaging in the spiritual side of life. In the first week, I said that we begin, as Thomas Merton suggested, with an intellectual ascent, where the mind gives up to the heart and serves it in its journey of love. That's the starting point. We then have the realization that all consciousness is one entity. There is no duality, but we're all in interconnected in an interdependent way. This then leads us to the understanding that what we do matters and that our role is to sense the guiding love that's within us so that we can manifest that love around us. We looked at the idea of seeing life as a meditation where we can either choose the survival of the mind or the love of the heart. And in choosing the heart, in choosing love, we join in with the love that's both within us and around us. And last week, we looked at the danger of falling into the temptation of thinking that because we're on the spiritual path, we know what's right. We know what works. We know what love is. And therefore, we're in a position to tell others what to do. This stresses the importance of humility in the spiritual path. Because as Thomas Merton says, it is impossible to overestimate the value of true humility and its power in the spiritual life. For the beginning of humility is the beginning of blessedness and the consummation of humility is the perfection of joy. Humility contains in itself the answer to all the great problems of life and of the soul. It is the only key to faith with which the spiritual life begins. For faith and humility are inseparable. In perfect humility, all selfishness disappears and your soul no longer lives for itself or in itself for God. And it has lost and submerged in him and has transformed into him. And so we progress in our spiritual journey, mindful of the need to have humility, of just loving what comes our way rather than taking credit for that love or expecting anything in return. And as I said last week, that can lead to a lot of pain because naturally we have expectations as to how others will behave and treat us. And if those expectations aren't met, and if worse, we feel unfairly treated, then the result is for us to feel that pain deeply. As Jesus did 
in the Garden of Gethsemane and in that week leading up to his death. The arrest, Pilate, the Jewish council, being whipped and tortured and finally being led to his execution. And what was his response to all that? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Throughout the whole process, Jesus was able to take that pain that he felt and keep loving those around him. He didn't blame or try to shift his pain elsewhere. He experienced it fully and gave out love in return. A hard act for us to follow. But the lessons, you know, are there. And the lesson is that we have to deal with our pain, even if we think that others are responsible for it. And having dealt with that pain, we have to give out love in return. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That's what Merton means when he says that humility contains within it all the great problems of the life of the soul. It's not up to us to apportion blame. Our role is to take our pain and to give love in return. It's the emotional alchemy that each of us is able to transform. The taking of the base metal of those hard emotions and turning them into the gold of love, emotional alchemy. Because that's why we're here. Whether we know it or not, our role in life is to make our own unique contribution to the transformation of all consciousness, that consciousness that drives evolution. And this is the bigger picture of the nuts and bolts that go to make up the mechanics of spirituality. Up to now, we've been talking about our own individual experience and the way that we can engage ourselves within the spiritual life, giving assent, seeing ourselves as a part of the whole, choosing love, not getting carried away with ourselves and keeping going with that love, even if we feel pain. It's all an inner journey. But the bigger picture, the engine within which we are the spark that moves the pistons of evolution up and down, the bigger engine is a part of those mechanics that we also have to be aware of, as well as the way we live our lives. There's something bigger that we're a part of. And that bigger picture starts with the Big Bang 13.7 billion years ago. At the Big Bang, particles were thrown out and those particles had their own latent consciousness. And to begin with, that's manifested by the reactivity of atoms. But a planets, as planets are formed and single cell organisms arise, made of those same particles, there appears a sort of responsive consciousness. And this responsive consciousness becomes multi-cell organisms, becomes bacteria, plants, insects, animals, and ultimately humans. All the way through evolution, it's being driven by that consciousness. 
the consciousness of light outside water that draws creatures out of the sea to the land, all evolving a greater and greater sense of awareness until that moment comes with humans when we become aware of ourselves within the process of evolution. This is the bigger picture. We become aware that there's a source within us, and that source is what we call the divine, which is where we are now. We are that part of the universe that's conscious of itself. And we can see that consciousness evolving in the history of the world. We can see it in the great social movements that have gone through the generations. We can see it in the growth of civilizations. We can see ourselves as a part of one universal whole that's progressing. All of it driven by love. The universe was created and given with no expectation of a return. And we are given our lives again with no expectation of a return. The whole thing, evolution, creation, is driven by that love. And it's all moving towards what Tia de Chardin calls the Omega point, and what the Christian tradition calls the second coming, where all creation, all creation has evolved to a point where it recognizes the divine within itself. We all look at each other and all creation looks at us and we all get at the same time that aha, that realization that we are looking at ourselves. We are all within that process, each of us. Each of us is a part of that huge whole of evolution. We each represent the culmination of all evolution. We are where evolution has got to right now. We are it. We're where evolution has got to. We represent this age. And it is we who now have the responsibility of that evolution moving on. And what qualifies us for that? Well, we're alive. Now that may sound a pretty low bar, but... That's what actually qualifies us to be a part of that ongoing process. Everyone else is dead. Jesus, Buddha, Muhammad, Gandhi, Mother Teresa. They've all had their turn and they've made their contribution. Their contribution is still there and we have access it. We have access to their contribution in the consciousness that we're part of. Everything that everyone has ever done is registered somewhere in consciousness, in books, in experiences, in memories, in the butterfly effect. Absolutely nothing is ever lost. Consciousness is like a library of everything that's ever happened. It's a library of all information. And it's all available for all of us to learn from. All the great spiritual teachers have left their mark in that library. What we have to learn of them is in the information that's left 
by them in that library of consciousness. But we are now most definitely alive. And whereas we continually draw on the information that others have left to us, it's now up to us to make that difference, to move consciousness on in our lifetime. And that's why this is all so precious, why we can't waste our time on hate and fear and on recriminations based on pain. Our role is to have love come into the world through us and make a difference to that evolution of consciousness while we're alive and able to do so. When we die, everything that we've done will be left to those that come after. But while we're alive, we can act and we can make a difference. And you know, it takes years to come to this realization. All of us in this community have spent years working on our development, learning how to love, learning what the universe is really about, finding out that the universe is actually one whole, and knowing that we are part of the evolution of that universe through consciousness. We've all done endless courses, attended seminars, done countless hours on the yoga mat and the meditation questions. We've all processed our own experience of life. And it's got us to this point of understanding that our lives do have meaning. And that meaning is to act as a gateway for love to come into the world and transform consciousness so that it evolves in a more loving way towards an end that's not for us to know, but that we can sense. Each of us has a responsibility to put into practice the understanding that we've all gained over so many years. Because when we die, the understanding that we've gained dies with us and someone else has to start all over again hopefully helped by what we've left behind in that library. So there's an imperative for us to be conscious, to be vigilant of our own minds and to choose love, no matter how painful it gets. That was Jesus thinking in the last week of his life. He knew what was at stake. And he carried it through to the end. And our current state of enlightenment is down partly to that contribution that he made. Now, there's a great spiritual law that I always draw a lot of comfort from. And that says that everything in all creation has equal value. There's no one element that is better or less than any other. Iron isn't any better or less than potassium. Similarly, no species is, any, is better or less than any other species. Burnt, birds aren't better than horses. Everything has its own place in the process of evolution. And, you know, that means that no one human being is better or more valuable than any other human being. 
We may think that Jesus or Buddha are the movers and shakers in this area. However, that spiritual law says that they have equal value to you and to me. We just assign more value because that's what we've all agreed to do over the years. The truth is that we all have equal value. Each of our expressions is of equal value. And that means that what each of us does matters equally. The work that you put in on the yoga mat or on the meditation cushion, that not reacting to anger with anger, but with love, not choosing fear, but choosing love, forgiving those around you. All of it matters and makes a real contribution to the transformation of consciousness. Being patient, being kind, not envying, not boasting, not being proud, not dishonoring others, not being self-seeking, not being easily angered, keeping no record of wrongs, not delighting in evil, but rejoicing in the truth. All of that never fails, to quote 1 Corinthians 13. It's what we've been asked to do. It's our purpose in our lives. And we're lucky, all of us, to have lived long enough to work that out. Now, all we have to do is to put it into practice. Every moment of every day, no matter how hard it gets, until we die. And that's the meaning of that passage that Heather read from the Bhagavad Gita. Content with his natural duty, each one of us achieves success. Content with his natural duty. Listen now, I tell you how this success can be found. A man finds success by worshipping with his own right actions the one from whom all actions arise and by whom the world is pervaded. In other words, focusing on God. It is better to do your own duty badly than to perfectly do another's. When you do your duty, you are naturally free from sin, loving what is. No one should relinquish his duty, even though it's flawed. All actions are enveloped by flaws as fire is enveloped by smoke. Self-mastered, with mind unattached at all times, beyond desire, one attains through renunciation the supreme freedom from action. We each of us have our own unique duty and by making loving what is the focus of our duty, right action naturally arises by itself. You can't look into others and see what they're doing and find right action there. It comes to you naturally in your life, like it did to Jesus in that week up to his death. Don't judge whether or not what you're doing is worthy. It's all part of the process. Self-mastery, with mind unattached at all times, beyond desire, one attains through renunciation 
the supreme freedom from action, that letting go, that path of descent. That is the freedom that we can find in our own lives, the freedom to love what comes our way, no matter how painful it is. This is the great secret, that we can participate in the process of evolution by simply taking what happens in our lives seriously, that it matters, and that by responding it with love, we contribute to the process of evolution. That frees us in our actions so that we become one with that love, one with God, and one with the process of creation. This is the ultimate freedom. Great. You know, I think just to think about this, you know, we get so caught up with our own lives all the time, I think. You know, you're all thinking about, you know, what we're doing and how I'm feeling and what I'm involved in. That we do forget that bigger picture, that we are, you know, there's a purpose in all of this, that, that you know, there is something that we are contributing to. And, and unless we're mindful of that, we, do, we, we can get very caught up in our own lives, I think, in that way. Well, what you were saying about the evolution of consciousness and transformation, like, it's so empowering. And so then, it, you know, it invites the question for each one of us, how am I going to participate in yeah. that unfolding and, uh, you know, what's my, what's my particular contribution? I, I feel like it's all about particularity. Like, we all have our particularity. Like, this table has its own particularity. We all, you know, each of us, everything. And, you know, what, what, is, what is mine of divineness to, to manifest and to contribute? Uh, it's different for each one of us. And, and one word as well that struck me from your talk was, was the word responsibility, which is an interesting word because it really means the ability to respond, doesn't yeah. it? And so in whatever our situation that we find ourselves in, whatever's going on, right, this is what I'm thinking, that, that right within the, con, the seeming constrictions of our lives, the actual conditions of our lives, of our hearts, of our bodies, of our families, every, everything, it's within the exact conditions of what's actually real that we, can, um, that, that we can experience that divine accompaniment and contribute to the, the unfolding of consciousness. Yes. I mean, you have to feel, I think, that, you know, when you're born, there's a part of that, that, that whole universe, that spirit in the universe that's, that's thrust into that child, and when you're born, you're sort of thrust into a particular world with a particular experience and with a particular consciousness, and things come your way. And you know, unless you give it that particularity, and if you, you think, yes, what I do is important, then you know, if you don't think it's important, then you think, well, it doesn't matter what I do. You know, I might as well steal, I might as well do this, I might as well be horrible to people, because it doesn't really matter. It, what it matters is that you know, I'm just going to get on with life. But actually, when you realize the importance of it, it actually asks you to consider what you're doing in your life all the time. Yeah, I think there's something about constriction, seeming constriction and whatever. We all feel constriction every day in our circumstances, in our hearts, in our, like, but it's inside of that that is the ability to bring forth all the qualities that you read out from 1 Corinthians, you know, tenderness and, and love and compassion and forbearance and forgiveness, all, all those things, but it's, within, it's inside of constriction. We usually feel so limited by constriction, but 
um, actually that's the place where it all happens. And I, I feel as well so much that most of what we do, the most valuable contribution that each one of us can make is probably invisible. It's probably what's, what's happening that, that nobody else sees. And I was so touched, Peggy, by what you just sang. I mean, that, that's it. Like, what's more important than that, you know, to see thee more clearly, love thee more dearly, follow thee more nearly day by day. That, that is just that's such a silent prayer, really, isn't it? That mm. we, everybody can aspire to and, and want. Uh, so, yeah, I just feel like um, our contribution to the unfolding of consciousness, to transformation, we can all be part of that. It's, it's what happens inside our hearts, what, what you were saying about that emotional alchemy, whatever, that sacred alchemy that happens inside us that no one else needs to know about. <laughs> yeah, because, you, you know, we, we ascend to this idea that we are, all, all of consciousness is one and there is one, you know, nature of consciousness, but then we don't really own the hugeness of it. We don't own the hugeness of it in time and the hugeness of it in space because it's just too big. We think, oh, no, no, it's just, I'm only just little me. But when you do fully own it, it doesn't daunt you because you have your own little dashboard, you know, in front of you to operate the bits that you can affect. And I think it's it's, it's so important. Yeah, so we never have to compare ourselves to anyone else. There's nothing to compare. We just have to live our life. No, that's exactly, and that's what that thing in the Bhagavad Gita was saying. There's no point in trying to live somebody else's life or or do it. It's all there for you. Yeah, and one final thing that yeah. tickled me from one of your readings was just that one line: um, "The consummation of humility is the perfection of all joy." And there's something in that. It's just, it's just that's touching to me. And it's inside of humility. Like, there's nothing to defend. There's nothing to promote. There's just, just being and just loving and just. You know, all of that. Yeah, we're all looking for joy, but what we don't realise is that in our supreme humility, if we can, if we can get there, we touch it in that, in that moment. Yeah, yeah, I just like that phrase, the consummation of humility is the perfection of all joy. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you feel moved to make a donation to the chapel, please go to aspenchapel.org. Thank you. And if you'd like to receive these podcasts regularly, Subscribe to the Aspen Chapel through Apple, Google Play, YouTube, or any other outlet.